right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Hello. And we're brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery on today's edition of the show. We got KU football tomorrow. We got KU basketball Sunday. Chiefs game Sunday. There's a lot to talk about on this edition of the show. We also have uh, high school football coming at you tonight. Lawrence High at 7 o'clock here on KLWN. Free State over on 92.9 The Bull at 7 o'clock. And uh, both are going to be on our video feeds. So you can find those at KLWN.com. Also, if you have a smart TV with like Roku or Fire Stick or Apple TV or something, get the YouTube app and you can search for GPM Sports and you can watch both games on your TV. That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Uh, we will uh, talk plenty more KU football tomorrow, too, at our show at Big Mill, 8.30 to 9.30, right here on KLWN. So we're going to start right there. KU Oklahoma preview uh, from the football game tomorrow, 11 o'clock, Crimson Blue Show, 9.30. Again, us at Big Mill, 8.30 to 9.30. We start with this question always uh, on Fridays. How okay. important is this game? Oh, I mean, it is the biggest game left on your schedule, probably. Homecoming. Top 10 team, undefeated team, coming to town, big noon kickoff. Uh, so from that perspective, it's a pretty important game. But I've kind of maintained, like, my outlook on this KU team, I don't think is going to change that dramatically, depending on the outcome of this game against against Oklahoma, barring, like, a just complete collapse. You know, if it's, like, 45-0 to zero or just something brutal like that, yeah, I'll change. But uh, even if, if it's a close game or KU battles, but they lose by 10 or they lose by 7 or, uh, you know, obviously if they win or whatnot, I don't think my opinion of the final four games will really be swayed that heavily one way or the other. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. Does that make the game less important, I guess? I mean, it's still important, obviously, but that that's kind of been my outlook is I, I don't think that the last four games will be too significantly impacted by the results of this game against Oklahoma because – you're still going to have a really good chance to win a couple of those games to end the season and get to a bowl game. And, you know, I, I guess this game is the final nail in the coffin on the possible Big 12 title run talks. Sure. How about that? If you, if you lose, done. Period. If you win, that door creaks open a little bit again maybe. I don't know. I don't, I'm just saying. Yeah, no. no, it really does. It really does if you win this game. So that's the importance there. Um, I think the importance, too, is this would show that you've taken a step up as a program, both in terms of being able to beat one of these upper-tier, upper-echelon opponents, while also it would just represent a realistic, I mean, last year through eight games, five and three. You lose this game, same record. You win this game, better record, right? They're the very simple way of looking at it from that standpoint. Um, I do agree with you. Like, if they lose the game, I don't think it's an indictment on anything uh, other than Maybe you haven't taken the step up. You can lose this game and still win seven games and win more than you did last year, too. Absolutely. So, like, that's still out in front of you. But it definitely feels like this is your chance to, you know, punch up a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's your last chance. Oklahoma's going to be mm-hmm. gone. They're going to the SEC. Yeah, that, too. I, I mean, uh, that adds so it's your to the last, importance. 
you know, you it would be you haven't beaten Oklahoma since 1997. It'd be cool if mm-hmm. the last time you're going to play him in conference, you get a win. Well, so when we asked this question about the Texas game, we answered, we said, if they win, it is the most important thing in the world. <laughs> but if they lose, it's not that important. Sure. I kind of feel the same way, but just not as extreme. Yeah. Like, if they lose this game, I don't think it's as, like, it's as easy to gloss over as the Texas one because now you would be losing three of four and two straight. Yeah. And obviously with the Texas game, the outstanding circumstances of Jalen Daniels. Mm-hmm. So this game, you have, you know, going into it, Jason Bean's going to be your guy. Yeah, and if you win this game, like if you were to beat Texas, you'd be five and zero and ranked super high, and you'd be like, are they a college football playoff contender? It wouldn't <laughs> be quite that, but it would still be pretty extreme of of some of the ups that we could kind of talk about with this team. So sure. very important from that standpoint. Um, what scares you the most that Oklahoma does well? Oh man, I mean, I think you have to look at their passing game. It's really, really effective. Uh, you know, one of the tops in the country, tops in the conference. Dylan Gabriel is uh, he's top five in Heisman odds right now, right? Uh, so that just goes to show the level of play that he's been on lately uh, for Oklahoma. And and again, the other thing is you look at the wide receiving core for Oklahoma. They don't have a Marvin Mims. They don't have a clear number one guy. But in some aspects, that kind of makes them more dangerous because instead they have four really, really good guys. I mean, Nick Anderson's a great deep threat. Drake Stoops, obviously. Uh, they got a couple of the guys. I think they have four receivers. Their top four receivers are all over 400 yards receiving. So basically, it's instead of one guy you really need to focus on, you're going to have a lot of guys that can make impactful plays that you have to be aware of if you're the KU defense. So that's pretty alarming, uh, especially considering KU's coming off of their worst defensive performance against Oklahoma State. But you had a bye week in there. Hopefully that gives you a chance to reset. Sounds like from talking to players and coaches earlier in the week that the D-line is much healthier now for Kansas with Austin Booker being basically 100%, Jerome, Jamie Robinson, same thing, uh, and Hayden Hatcher maybe might get in there. So that's a positive for Kansas. But, uh, yeah, I think you have to look at Oklahoma's passing game and say if this if Oklahoma is able to open things up and utilize their tempo and really, really run up the score, that favors them. A, a track meet favors them, yes. certainly. And that's where, I mean, the weather could come in. The weather could come into play and, and help you kind of sure. avoid that. Uh, but I agree. It's, it's the passing game. I mean, Dylan Gabriel – is putting up unreal numbers. Last year, you go back to that game, he had 403 passing yards. He also added 37 rushing yards and a touchdown. Good news is that Marvin Mims, who was the leading receiver for OU, he's off to the NFL. Braden Willis, who was second in receiving yards, he's in the NFL. Theo Weiss is on, I believe, Missouri now. So the top three receivers from last year's game for OU are all gone. But to your point, it's a balanced attack. And um, it's not a great OU running team. They no longer have Eric Gray ran for 176 on you. They yeah. ran for 298 as a team, so you'd like to see that number go down. But yeah. it, it, it's the passing game, and I wonder how KU is going to approach it. Last year, I think they were so worried about defending the deep ball and worried about that that they, they gave soft zones and coverages and allowed Dylan Gabriel to get into a bit of a rhythm. Maybe the weather allows you that you can still do that and not have to worry about it. I don't know, but yeah, the, the passing game... It'd be very easy for Dylan Gabriel to have 350, 400 in this game for OU to score 40-plus points if the weather kind of allows it. So yeah, I, I, I do agree. Yeah, I think the combo of the passing game plus OU's tempo mm-hmm. probably scares you the most. Right? I will say the OU defense has been really good. So I think just in general, like it, it's a good deal. Only given up 3.4 yards per carry. They've only given up more than 20 points two times. UCF had 29, Texas at 30. Um, that would be worrisome if you can't run the ball, right? Yeah. Now, yeah, this where, is not a game where you want to rely on Jason Bean, I think, too heavily. No. Uh, where do you think Kansas has maybe an edge or, or their biggest edge in this game? 
I think you have to look at the running backs. I think you have to look at Devin Neal and, and Daniel Hyshaw as two really, really quality backs. And even though KU struggled to run the ball against Oklahoma State, Devin Neal still averaged five yards per carry. And so I, I would look to the running game of Kansas, and I would hope to see it bounce back. I would hope that Andy Kolnick, he's got some stuff designed up to allow things to run a little bit more smoothly with the ground game for, for KU. And I think Oklahoma's D-line is solid, but nothing, like, insane. Nothing that KU's O-line can't handle. Uh, so I would – I think that that's where KU probably has the biggest advantage. And also, I mean, I'll just throw this out there. The booth is a big advantage. It has been a big advantage all season long for KU. We've run through some of the numbers. I mean, home field has been a big advantage for KU so far this season. Played a lot better at home. Yes. Whether it's the turnovers, quarterback play. I mean, just yeah. the numbers skyrocket in those home games. And yeah. it's not just like, oh, well, you had an FCS game in there. Well, they had a road game against yeah. Nevada, who has not been very good, and they, they struggled much more mightily yeah, there. You played so. BYU, who actually yeah. looks like they might be a pretty good team. Uh, and you played against UCF and really steamrolled them, who obviously played Oklahoma pretty close. So, uh, yeah, but I think you have to look at the ground, uh, the, the ground game for, for KU. And that – that's going to be the biggest key. I mean, Devin Neal. I think is it's the biggest key, get, but are you sure it's the biggest strength? I don't know what else you would say is the biggest strength. Then. I guess that's what scares me. That there's not one in the thing game that it's say, hard. There's not one thing you can specifically say. Right. KU has a big advantage. If we're having well, trouble, KU does not have an advantage at quarterback. They don't have an advantage no. at wide receivers. They don't really. I, I don't. I mean, I think. I think you could argue Kansas a, has a better offensive line. Yeah, I think they have a. I think. Against Oklahoma's D-line, they probably have a small advantage. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it's the biggest advantage. But well, then they've got running backs. Yeah. So then you, that's that's where the advantage is. For well, here, here's backs. the uh, rushing totals that OU has given up this year. 48, 116, 71, 141, 150, 156, 149. Here's the yards per carry they've given up game to game. 2.1, 3.4, 1.5, 3.8, 5.6, 3.9, 3.6. They've been pretty good on the ground. But KU's number one in the conference in yards per rush right now, right? They are. Over six? Yep. Yeah. But you got held to, what, 91 against Oklahoma State? Yeah. I wonder if they're going to try to make Jason Mean beat them. I mean, it's. I think it's the right strategy to have. Probably would be. Because as electric as Jason Bean can be, and as, as good as he can be at a ceiling with the KU offense, he's very vulnerable to those valleys. And he's very vulnerable to, in clutch moments, maybe not being as sharp. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're Oklahoma, you sell out to stop the run and try to put the ball in Jason Bean's hands. I do think Kansas can have an advantage over the middle of the field the and maybe blowing the top off the defense. The two deep safeties for OU have struggled a little bit more this year. Um, so I, th- I think they can at least find some sort of advantage there. Okay, so KU wins if what? <sighs> it's hard. I mean, I I think KU wins if, if you get a – a good game from Jason Bean. I don't think he has to be great. He's got to be good. Yeah, I don't think there's that much of a difference between an A Jason Bean game and a B Jason Bean game. Exactly. We talked about this earlier. It's more about did you do the other stuff well yeah. and he just wasn't a problem, right? Yes, I agree. He has to play a good game. And I think a good game in this context means not turning it over, which you highlighted yesterday. KU's been really good at home not turning it over, so you hope that continues. And and, and coming up a, a big when KU needs him. Uh, but I don't think he has to be like takeover mode, or I don't think he needs to be doing what he did against Oklahoma State for KU to win. But if he's not doing what he did against Oklahoma State, the ground game for KU's got to be a lot better. Obviously, uh, they've they've got to get the ground game involved, and I, I think that to me is the biggest thing if they win. I think if you if you look at the stat sheet after the game, and Devin Neal has over 100 yards, and Daniel Highshaw maybe has like 50 plus yards, I think you feel pretty good about about KU being in the game at that point. 
Uh, I don't know that they, I don't know that necessarily guarantees a win if the running backs are running well, but it, I think it it would be indicative of probably KU being in the game. But they've got to not turn the ball over. And the biggest thing is, and we, we highlighted this before, but they have to not turn the ball over. But then if they have to capitalize on OU's mistakes, it's one thing to force Oklahoma to turn the ball over, or it's one thing to to you know put Oklahoma in bad situations and, and force them in bad situations. It is another thing to then turn around and capitalize that positively for your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep I keep flashing back to the game last season where it was either 14-14 or 21-14. KU was down seven or the game was tied. Dylan Gabriel fumbles that midfield, and KU went three and out. So you got the turnover, but you didn't do anything with it. So that's what I'm looking for in this game. If Oklahoma is going to turn the ball over and make mistakes, you have to do something with it if you're Kansas. If you're going to beat a team that is – probably more talented than you and probably better than you in a lot of areas. You have to not only force them into mistakes, but you have to be able to then turn that into something positive for your side. I agree in the turnover department, and we talked about KU plus five in home games, minus three in road games, so that should be something you should be a little bit better at, but OU has only turned the ball over five times, so that is something prerequisite for me. You're, you are going to be able to do that. I think the the pass rush has to win without blitzing. I think you need those guys back in coverage, and uh, you, you have to be able to win with your four down linemen, maybe a fifth guy, right? I think you have to be able to win consistently enough and contain Dylan Gabriel from being a problem scrambling. That's how you win this game, I think. Uh, okay, let, let's a little shorter. KU Illinois uh, basketball on Sunday. You can hear that here as well in KLWN pregame four thirty, tip off at five o'clock. How important is this game? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an exhibition, so on its face, not important. Zero, at all. zero. But I mean, this is a real opportunity for you to go on the road in a hostile environment against a top team, and basically have a chance to kind of see how things go, right? And I think one of the big takeaways I had from Bill Self when he was talking in, during media day earlier in the week is he kind of mentioned how the thing that he's most looking for from the exhibition is not so much what K, not so much what KU does, but more so how Illinois responds to what KU is doing, uh, and basically then utilizing that and saying, okay, well if that this is how Illinois is going to do things, then you know we need we need to prepare for teams to use this counter against us and whatnot. So that's so I, I kind of got the sense from Bill Self that I don't know how focused he's going to be on you know, executing plays and things like that as much as he just wants to kind of see what Illinois is going to show and how Illinois plans to stop KU offensively. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. And then, I don't know, I mean, I just want to see KU, honestly, the biggest thing is I just want to see KU get out of this game without any injuries, really. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be my biggest concern, I think, for the start of the season is just making sure that you don't have guys dealing with health problems. Obviously, Johnny Furphy's already dealing with shin splints, which has been which is an issue. Uh, that's concerning, but, and then, you know, looking to the young guys, looking to the new, like besides Hunter Dickinson, set Hunter Dickinson aside, the new guys, Sands Hunter Dickinson. So Nick Timberlake, El Marco Jackson, Jamari McDowell, what do they look like? How do they play in an environment like this? I mean, I have to assume that, that an exhibition game against Illinois is probably the, the toughest environment that Nick Timberlake is going to have played in, in his entire career. I mean, I don't know what they're dialing up in the Colonial American with Townsend and whatever, but I would assume that this is the best environment he's going to have played in, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know if they played somebody in like a non-con game, but yeah. True, yeah. Uh, so how does he respond? How does uh, Jamar McDowell respond? And I guess Brian Haney, what was the Jayhawks yesterday, planted that little seed for us. Does Michael Jankovic play, and how much does he play? And are we going to then overreact to that? Yes, 100% we will overreact to it. And uh, I don't know, it could be a, we're going to do Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk later in the show. 
Uh, could be a sleeper pick for that one. Yeah, I mean, on its face, exhibition game makes it a 0 out of 10 in terms of the importance. Um, because it's a televised like scrimmage, though, against uh, a, a pretty good team, I'll give this like a 2. If Kansas loses the game, there's going to be people being like, oh, they shouldn't be the number one team. And uh, it, it's just going to be silly. Is it really going to matter that much? Is it really going to have any impact on how the season goes? No, not really. Um, you know, if you lost at Illinois on January... It'd just be like, oh, Illinois played a good game. Sometimes upsets happen to top teams. Like, even number one and number two teams lose handfuls of games. Uh, a lot of them come on the road against top 25 opponents. So, like, it wouldn't be a huge deal. But I just think that the outcry on it, especially with it being televised, would be very interesting. Um, what scares you most about what Illinois does well? Well, you know, I think this is an interesting team that, you know, they were they were kind of with Arkansas. Remember in that 8-9 game? Uh, that uh, that yep. KU might have had to play Illinois in the second round of the NCAA tournament if things go a little bit differently. Uh, and I, what I'm most curious about is this is an Illinois team that has a lot of players that KU players are familiar with, maybe not so much from playing at KU, but you know Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, Kevin McCuller and Terrence Shannon for Illinois. So there's a lot of kind of interesting storylines slash matchups, I guess, so to speak. Uh, but the thing with Illinois that I'm most curious about is – what are they going to show on offense against KU, and how is KU's defense going to respond to that? You know, Bill Self talked about how he didn't really didn't really practice much defense at all. So, uh, what does that look like? Is Illinois going to be able to execute some different things against KU? And I think if there's one area where I, I think you might overreact to the most in this game, it would be that if Illinois is able to score a lot and pretty easily, I think there'll be a big overreaction to. Well, this is supposed to be the number one defense. So, the, you know, Hunter Dickinson, Dewan Harrison, Kevin McCool, you got two best defensive players in the country. How did they score so much? So. That's where I'm curious. I, uh, I I guess what Illinois does really well is two-point offense and defense. They were number one in Big Ten-only games, which Big Ten features a lot of good big men, right? They were number yeah. one in the Big Ten in two-point offense and two-point defense. This is a really that, good two-point offense were, defense. They were better than Hunter Dickinson, and they were better than Zach Eady. Yep, that's right, which is tough to do. Coleman Hawkins is kind of a stretch five, very versatile. Dane Danger is 6'9", 270 big man. So depending on who you throw out there, it's going to be a different look for Hunter Dickinson. Thick. It is, yes. Um, so from that standpoint, that would, would be what worries me most in a game like this where, yes, you have Hunter Dickinson, and you brought him in to get you easy buckets, but what if he's swallowed up by the inside of that defense? I'm by, excited by to see Hunter right? Dickinson try. I am too, for sure. I know, because it seems like he's been messing around a lot in some of the other performances <laughs> we've seen. Uh, where do you think Kansas has an edge? Oh, gosh. I, I want to take three-point shooting, not because I think Kansas is going to be great. <laughs> Illinois shot 30.8% from three last year. Gosh. They were horrid. Now, they did add some that new players. Rough. They should be better this year. But yeah, still. that is rough. Anyway. Okay, you look at three-point shooting. But, I mean, just the experience of KU, right? I mean, you, you've you got Dewan Harris. And th this should be something where th – th that should be something that KU has an edge in against, what, like 98% of the teams they're going to play. Mm -hmm. You have Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller, Hunter Dickinson. You know, even though Nick Timberlake is is from Townsend, he's got he's got a lot of college basketball experience. KJ Adams, like you should be the more experienced team if you're KU. I, will say, I think Illinois has four players who are on year five or more. Okay, but I mean, at the, some at of those are transfers. High level at the higher level that yeah. Kansas plays at, I think I would still take the experience of Kansas. Yeah, I mean, you you have three starters back, knowing the system, because I think one of them is like uh, a transfer for Illinois. Anyway. Um, so I three-point shooting might just be bad for Illinois. I, th I think something else is uh, the turnover game. You feel good about KU being a team that's not going to turn it over too much because you have Dewan Harris. Um, with Illinois, they don't really have a true point guard. 
And when you combine that with they were a team that was 207th in the country in turnover rate offensively, Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller should be able to get a good amount of steals. KU wins if what? KU wins if Hunter Dickinson tries. KU wins if... Uh, <laughs> I think he's very much going to try, though, because he hates Illinois. He does not like Illinois. Yeah. yeah. No, I, this I won't be him, just be a try level. It's going to be a high try I, level. I kind of I kind of asked him about it uh, before or at media day earlier in the week, and uh, he kind of played it off a little bit. Like, Do you really think the coaching staff and KU was like, don't say anything stupid? <laughs> we know you don't like well, Illinois. Well, I don't know, because Bill, you know, Bill Self... Had said previously that the thing about Hunter Dickinson that made him maybe that was his best quality was that <laughs> you put a mic in front of him and he's going to speak his mind. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe I don't know if they try to curtail that, but but uh, yeah, Hunter Dickinson trying. Uh, then you 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 look at the the perimeter game for KU. I'm not really expecting much from El Marco Jackson. I mean, I basically I don't I'm not tough for a true freshman to yeah, go I'm not on the setting, right. Yeah. I'm not setting high ex- I don't I don't want to mean that negatively. I'm just saying like I'm sure. not setting really high expectations for him in this in this game. Uh we'll just see what how he plays, right? See how mm-hmm. see what he does. But, you know, Kevin McCullough, Dewan Harris, those guys play well. I, I think uh, KU should win this game. Yeah, I I think if uh you get Decent three-point shooting, whether that comes from Nick Timberlake, Michael Jankovic, uh, one of these guys. If you shoot decently from three, I think they win the game. That, that's how I view it. All right, we're going to take a time out. we got some uh, KU women's basketball audio. We're going to get to Kent Swanson after that. This is RCST on KLWN, depending on it. Welcome back in to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by Kent Swanson of Kansas City Sports Network. Uh, you can check out all of Kent's work, whether you're looking for Chiefs coverage, KU coverage, as an awesome podcast with Brandon McAnderson, who, uh, you know, BMAC is is high on KU's chances this Saturday against the uh, Sooners. So, Kent, I, before we get into that, we, we had a thought process yesterday on the show, and I'm curious what your answer would be because I, I think the reasoning behind this uh, I, I'll get into after you answer this question, but if this year's KU team played last year's KU team, who wins, what's the score, and why? Ooh. So, who's the quarterback? I guess that's a good <laughs> question. I'll, I'll give you this. Whoever's the quarterback of the game you pick from this year's team is the same quarterback that you get for, for last year. They're, they're attached. Okay. Uh I will say uh, this year's team beats last year's team. Um, this year's team wins by seven. I think no, that's this team. I, I think it's ten, actually. Yeah, I said Sorry. seven to ten. So no, you're you're right in line with with what I was thinking. I mean, the reason I'm bringing it up. We just found it interesting because if, if KU loses to Oklahoma, which would not be like in a vacuum, a, a, you know, bad loss in, in any nature, um, it, you're projected to lose the game, all that sort of stuff. But if you do lose the game, you end up five and three at the result, which was the same record you had last year through eight games and and through four games. I think Lights Lightbold said like, let's see what we do these next four to see if we're different than last year. And all four of your final games this year are winnable, but they're also losable games to where. I don't know. If you lose this game, maybe you start talking yourself into, oh, no, is it going to be the same situation that happens last year? Like, I, I guess, have you thought about it all that, like, what if the record is just the same as last year, even if they are a better team? It will not be. And if KU loses this game against Oklahoma, I will be on my show talking the fan base down and letting them know that they're going to win more than six games this year. I think the backstretch is a lot more winnable for this version of a Kansas football team than last year's team. 
and I think they will pull off a couple of these wins. Um, I still think they can beat K-State. I mean, I, I think everything, I think there's a lot still in front of them, even if they lose this game to Oklahoma. And this is a different football team. This is a deeper football team. I don't see them running out of steam the way I think last year's team did with the lack of depth. They have depth this year. They could withstand more injuries this year. Like, I, there are a billion reasons for me to, to I, I will talk this, I will, I will do my best to talk people down if they lose this game because I do have a, a, a supreme confidence that they will not be a six and six program when the season is all said and done. This is too good of a group, uh, to, to not beat Cincinnati or Tech or both or Kansas State. I mean, and I, I'm all, yeah, I, I, I feel good about this group. I really do. So KU takes on Oklahoma on Saturday. What sticks out? Let's start with the KU offense versus the Oklahoma defense. What sticks out to you the most about the matchup between those two sides? So, you know, the game that KU uh, almost won in in Memorial a couple years ago, which obviously is a drastically different team, Uh, but that team was really good about possessing the football and getting long sustained drives. Um, I think that's I think that's the key for, for Kansas's offense. Like, I think that's the thing I'm watching for us. Are they able to sustain long, extended drives? You know, last week against our two teams of Oklahoma State was more big, explosive plays leading to scores, and they struggled to really string together, you know, you know, a, a, a possession, you know, where it was, you know, really just kind of slowing the, the, the tempo of the game out. And, like, obviously, like, Jason being put off them, but you'd like to see him, you know, kind of be able to extend some drive. So I think it falls on Bean primarily to try to, try to, you know, put some, some drives together. If they can run the football effectively, you know, thwart the rhythm and tempo of a Oklahoma offense that, you know, that thrives in that scenario. If they can kind of get them out of their game a little bit by slowing the game down and making them sit on the sideline a little longer. I think that's a big key for me when I'm watching when I'm watching this game, if they can do that, I think good things are going to happen for, for just how that game flow goes. When, when you think about coming off the bye week, is there one specific thing that you think it's going to help the most for this team, whether it's, you know, just, I don't know, getting guys healthier, extra week for Jason Bean, Andy Kotelnicki, a uh, fresher version of Devin Neal? Like, what, what's the one thing that you think it'll help them with the most having the bye week coming into this game? Uh, I think freshness for sure um, and solving some stuff in the run game trying to figure some things out in the run game. So, you know, I think Oklahoma State did a really good job of taking away some of the edge runs and so, the, you know, they kind of had to counteract themselves a little bit and try to figure out some different ways. So I think it's, it's some time to figure out how to, you know, how to run the football effectively uh, and better against a, you know, an established Big 12 team, right? Like, you know, this is, um, you know, uh, no all credit to UCF, but, you know, this is a different type of physicality, strength, size that you're going to see out of an Oklahoma, and they're pretty good against stopping the run. So I think, you know, just some time to try to help figure out some of the run game woes could be really beneficial for this team. Now, on the flip side, Oklahoma hasn't been great running the football so far this year, but Kansas has given up 200 or more rushing yards all of their big 12 games. It hasn't been maybe as bad as it was a season ago. It's still improved from there, but uh, – I, I guess the the bigger thing to slow down the Oklahoma offense is, is trying to stop the passing attack and Dylan Gabriel. Um, what kind of interests you about the matchup of the Sooners offense against the KU defense? 
Well, it obviously starts with the tempo. You know, and KU has struggled with tempo in recent years uh, under this regime. You know, Brian Borland, I, I, I'm a very big Brian Borland defender. I think he does a lot of things that are going to help this team find success and have been uh, very, very beneficial to this team. Even this year, you know, finally having more depth and talent on the defensive side has made a big difference, in my opinion. Tempo is still something I think that they struggle with. So um, I think it's early down success. Uh, and you talk about the run game, and, and you know, they, they've struggled to run the football a little bit. Kansas has to keep them behind the sticks early. You know, part of the way tempo, you know, it kind of, you know, can start snowballing on a team, you know, offensively, is if they can get, you know, good early down success that puts them in a situation where, um, you know, they, they can, you know, be aggressive, more stuff open to them. You know, if you've got two plays to get one yard and you're playing tempo and you're, you know, you're wearing out a defense, that's a lot easier. When you stop the run on first down and it's second and eight and then you force an incompletion on, the, on, on, on second and eight, now you're sitting here third and eight with a, you know, you, you might be off the field in, in 50 seconds. You know, the possession might last less than a minute if you're not careful. And that can, you know, really, you know, that can be problematic for a team trying to get a rhythm, trying to get a tempo, which is where I kind of talked about, you know, the ball control side of it offensively can really be valuable if you, you know, I, I think that's, that happened a little bit with UCS. They, they had some quick possessions they got off the field, and then that defense wore out towards the, towards the end of the game. And just, I mean, Jason Bean threw three passes, I think, in the last 39 minutes of the game because the game script just went out of whack for UCS. So um, if KU can be good on early downs, I think that can really put them in an advantageous position to try to manage the rest of the game and make the game script something that's going to help them, you know, you know, come out in the, in the end of it. Well, you, you talked a little bit about the, I don't know, schematics of offensively. Do you play a little more possession-based and stuff? One, one thing I'll be interested in from last year's game, when I was going back and, and watching the game, they gave a lot of soft kind of zones and coverages to what Oklahoma was doing last year, and I think that was – out of respect for, you know, Jeff Lebby, typically with Dylan Gabriel, they like to throw the ball downfield, or at least I, I don't know if they've been doing it as much this year. Um, but I think that was, you know, you're a little scared of Marvin Mims beating you over the top a couple times. And it felt like it let Dylan Gabriel get into a rhythm, and they were just hitting a bunch of 8, 10, 12-yard routes with kind of ease last year. Does that make sense to do this year? I, I don't know. What, what do you think the proper way of kind of playing the Oklahoma passing game should be? Well, that's, it's a great question. And, I mean, if you kind of look at, I mean, yeah, you're right. And, like, that's kind of been an MO for Brian Borland. And I don't necessarily be, disagree with the philosophy of, you know, he really wants to try to limit and reduce the explosive plays, and they are committed to trying to do that. They they play, you know, some softer coverage, and they like to play, you know, top down, which means, you know, we're going to try to, you know, keep on things. We're not going to allow them to just, you know, dictate things down the field, and we're going to rally to everything underneath. And that works a lot when they're when the other team doesn't have a great quarterback, right? Like that can be a very successful tactic because, you know, I think there is a benefit to forcing the college kid to try to be consistent at the quarterback position for 10, 12, 14 plays. Good things typically happen the longer that, you know, a college offense is on the field. Um, and I think the problem, you know, the problem is there's, there's, there's a few problems with that. First off, you kind of saw how Oklahoma State was able to start fast last week. And some of that was because some of the soft coverages and RPO game and, and Kansas really didn't have great answers for that. Obviously, they figured some things out as the game went on. 
Uh, now, I, I think, do you adjust your scheme a little bit to maybe try to take some of that stuff away? Sure. I think that's probably a good idea. Challenge this wide receiver group. Challenge the pass catchers for Oklahoma who are not of the same caliber that they were last year. I don't think the skill players for Oklahoma are as good as what we saw this team have, you know, last season. So um, do you try to challenge them a little bit more, maybe risk giving up a few more explosive plays to try to take away, you know, the RPO game a little differently, to try to take the short to intermediate where Dylan Gabriel really is at his best? I think that's one of the, you know, choices that they're going to have to make. And I think, you know, KU's adjusted to that at, at times in this game, but, you know, if, if, if they want to emphasize starting fast, they might want to consider maybe not giving up so many easy completions early in the game to help them get into that rhythm. Obviously, uh, Jason Bean's expected to be the starter. Uh, that's been kind of some of the reports, Brett McMurphy, Pete Thamel. How do you think this game would differ if it was Jalen Dale, or uh, Jalen Daniels starting a quarterback instead of Jason Bean? I think you would be more confident in your ability to possess the ball. And it's not a knock on Jason Bean. Um, I think Jason Bean, is extremely lucky to have Jason Bean. He's done some very good things for this team. I think he's getting better week over week. What, uh, what Jalen Daniels does and what, why KU has been so successful, and you've even seen it this year, is you know he's, he's so good about extending drives when it's third and four. He is a really talented, physical quick twitch runner and you know he doesn't have the same long speed as a Jason Bean but he's got the size physicality and ability to stick his nose up in and and run for a first down if he needs to and that is a really valuable asset when you are trying to play long sustained drives at a slower tempo you know Kansas wants to be a slow tempo team you know they want to be a team that possesses the ball that's the best version of this offense, and it's the one that creates so many problems for defensive coordinators. Jalen Daniels is better in that kind of game than Jason Bean is. Jason Bean has that explosive mindset, that explosive play mindset, and you saw it really work well against Oklahoma State, but he's not as consistent in the short to intermediate trying to extend drives. You know, his decisions running the football maybe aren't quite the same as a Jalen Daniels. So, um, that, I think, is one of the biggest challenges for this program and for this team with Jason being at the quarterback position is you know, some, of those, some of those big key moments on third downs, the execution's got to be better. And so that's where I think the, the KU misses Jalen Daniels the most. Well, sign stealing is uh, all the rage right now. Uh, you're, you're a former college football player. How, where, where do you see the line on that? Because I, I think it's interesting coming into this game where – um, obviously, the Jim Harbaugh stuff is the most notable, but Brent Venables has been known kind of industry-wide for being an elite sign stealer. Uh, there was a big hubbub and outcry about it from, I guess, who would be surprised here? Ryan Day from from Ohio State headed into one of the playoff meetings. Um, I, I saw some other stuff with Jeff Lebby. Like, do you see that having any effect on, on KU in terms of being more of a slower-tempo huddle team, and, and what's kind of your thoughts on how that plays into college football? Well, I mean, sign stealing is always going to be a thing. Like, in, I mean, I, I, my, when I was in college, we had to, we played our, our old head coach and we had to completely change our sign systems to try to, to, you know, keep him out of our, you know, out of our business. And it was a national semifinal game that we had to completely change some things on the fly that week. Um, so it's, it's not something that's illegal. I think the extent that we are reportedly hearing Michigan go to to try to do it, I think is 
ridiculous. I think it's not, I think it's just a, you know, it, I can, I understand a little bit of, you know, maybe some, you know, some attempts to try to advance scout and science do a little bit, but the links they seem to be going to, I think are, are probably aligned, right? I don't think you're ever going to completely get it out of, you know, get it out of the game. And I do think that there's definitely some nefarious stuff with trying to film practices, trying to, you know, trying to get some, you know, advanced intel in some, some, you know, some of the means that they are, but man, <laughs> what we're hearing right now seems more like espionage than college football. But I think this kind of just shows people the importance of, of college football and the money involved in college football and the lengths people are willing to go to to, to kind of protect that money, right? Because, I mean, it's, it's an absurd... It's, it's, the story keeps getting crazier, and there are some rumors of some even crazier stuff uh, that might be coming out about this Michigan story. So I don't think we've heard the end of it, and if some of the stuff that might be true is true, uh, it's criminal. <laughs> Well, well, we'll see if it has any effect, I guess. I, I know there was the story about, uh, you know, one of KU's former defensive staffers is now on staff with Oklahoma, too. So certainly you'd think they have to change it up. But having the bye week should help in that way. Uh, so bottom line question here, Kansas wins on Saturday if what happens? Kansas wins on Saturday if they can get Oklahoma out of rhythm offensively. So, and I think it's a, it's complimentary football. It's Lance Leipold at his best. It's, it's a Lance Leipold coaching job at his best. And, you know, it's, you know, Kansas converting on third and fourth downs to make these long sustained drives. It's Oklahoma not finding a rhythm and able to run the football effectively and maybe a wet game that could really benefit Kansas because I do think they can run the ball better on Oklahoma than, uh, than, than Oklahoma can run on Kansas. So, uh, if they can get them out of a rhythm, Offensively, I think that's the big key. Good things will happen. A few other things will have to bounce Kansas's way. They're going to have to have some some turnover luck. But uh, I, I I think this game is absolutely within reach for for the Jayhawks. And uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm picking them to win. Okay, there we go. Well, uh, Kent, I appreciate the time, man. Where can people check out all your work? Yeah, you know, you can find all of our stuff at, at KC Sports Network. Uh, we have also KCSNU, which is a channel devoted to covering the college sports here in the area, KU, Mizzou, unfortunately, uh, Kansas, Kansas State, you know. Uh, but, yeah, you can find me and Brandon McAnderson talking KU football on KCSNU. Uh, you can also hear from the Ain't No Seats guys as well. They're on that channel as well. So There we go. Kent, I appreciate the time, man. Have a great rest of your week and weekend. Yeah, anytime. Hey, you guys have a good time, too. All right, that was Kent Swanson, Kansas City Sports Network, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We've got Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports in the 4 o'clock hour. We've got our game picks, uh, Chiefs preview, Rock Chalk Pickahawk, KU Oklahoma players to watch in the game on Saturday, our KU game picks for the football game, uh, some more KU football audio loaded the rest of the way here on RCST. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We got high school football coming at you tonight. Lawrence High on KLWN. Free State on 92.9 The Bull. Not only can you listen to the games on the radio, you can watch the games. We have our video streams available. KLWN.com will have both. Or 
Search GPM Sports on YouTube, and if you have a smart TV, you can pull up the YouTube app, GPM Sports. You can find either the Lawrence High or Free State game and uh, watch and listen to the radio broadcast while you're watching the uh, video feed as well. Nick will be on the call with Craig Hershiser of the Free State game. I'll be on the call with Matt Llewellyn of the Lawrence High game. Week one of the playoffs starts tonight. Mm. We uh, also have on Saturday your KU football game. Crimson Blue Show start at 930 with kickoff at 11 o'clock, and our local tailgating pregame show will start at 8.30 right here on KLWN. It'll be 8.30 to 9.30, and uh, good news, by the way, you might be wondering, because we're going to be out of Big Mill, or at least Nick will be. I'll be back at the studio. Um, Big Mill is opening at 9 a.m. Yeah. tomorrow. Yep. So, so they're going to be open at yep. Get over there, get some early drinks, get mm-hmm. some early food to help uh, fuel up. For and I'm sure the... they're going to have all sorts of like specials in the morning. Yeah, for the game. Yeah. yeah. So 9 a.m. is when they open. So you have yep. no excuse but to drop by because you can spin our prize wheel. We have all sorts of free stuff you're going to get. And then yep. hop in, maybe grab a drink, grab footballs, something grab tickets. a mimosa, oh. Bloody Mary. Maybe I should get a mimosa. No, you're not allowed. Why not? You're on air. <laughs> Do your work. Do your job. <laughs> we are entertaining the people. <laughs> we have to be on point. I'm, I would argue I might be more entertaining if you give me a mimosa. All right, if you would like to go by and I don't know if I can even legally say that, buy Nick a mimosa. <laughs> I won't stop you. That is your decision. Do what you want. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, we'll be doing that big mill tomorrow. Kiss crew will be there eight thirty to ten thirty. Spin the prize wheel, get free stuff. Stop by big mill, and even if if you want to stop by big mill after the game, you're like, ah, where should I go after the game? I'm hungry. Boom, big mill. It's walking distance from the stadium on yep. 9th of Mississippi. And they've got TVs in there too. If you just want to, you don't have you tickets. Watch you just want to watch. Yeah. You just hang out, watch the game. Now uh, Sunday, we also have your KU basketball game for you. Pre-game will start at four thirty. Tip off five o'clock for KU and Illinois. Brings us into this, our first Rock Chalk Pickahawk of the season. Yeah. I know it's an now, exhibition. Game. I am the defending you champion. Are. We were tied in the regular season. You won the Big Twelve tournament yes. conglomerate, whatever we want to call so it. I'm the champion. You are the champion. So congratulations. You, you stink, and I don't. Well, so I, as the champion, I am going to allow you. Would you like With to that. go first or go second? Well, I think you should outline the new rules first. Uh, that's a good point. All right. So uh, if you're new to Rock Chalk Pickahawk. Basically, it's a game that we play where we draft players on the team, and um, you end up trying to decide who has the best performance. We have stats to determine how many everything's worth and uh, figure out who's going to go where. We're going to start this off. Last year, we started dipping into you picked one player from the other team. We're just going to start this first one off. You only pick KU players. You good with that? Yeah. Let's go with me, yeah. Okay. Um, I guess we should probably only do four picks each. Uh, there's like... Yeah, I mean, there's so many players you'd pick right now. There's yeah. not a lot of yeah, not a lot of guys you'd go yeah. for, right? Yeah. Um, so we'll each pick four players. We'll go back and forth. We'll do a little serpentine draft, and uh, you get one point for every point they score. You get two points for every rebound and assist they have. We have three points for block every block and steal they have. The difference we did we did last year we did a bit of an alteration with like yeah we, shots and we stuff. Had, yeah we had all we kinds wanted to of simplify it. Yeah. So we just we're going back to the OG version. Yep. This was the Brian Haney-led version when he started up Rock Chalk Sports Talk, and he started up this segment, minus one for every minute played. Mm. Takes some efficiency into account. And it yeah. allows, and I honestly, I think this is a good thing because remember last year, it would just get to a point, the same four guys were getting taken, four, five guys, whatever, yeah. the first five, and then it was like, which bench guy do you want or do not want? You know what I mean? Yeah. Now the bench guys, I think, have more value with the minute stuff, so sure. I'm cool with it. Yeah. No, I, I like this. I like this. Yeah. I like simplifying it, too. Makes it a lot Less easier to, for to recognize. Okay, so. I don't have to think it's hard. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, I think I need to go first as the defending mm. champion, right? It's up to you. I'm giving you the I'm honor. The champion. Okay. I'm going to go first. And you're taking? Hunter Dickinson. Okay. 
Shocking. No explanation why? You oh. Know. Okay. Well. I mean, we are on radio here. He's playing Illinois, a uh, team that he's familiar with. Uh, I think he will be a little bit extra pumped up because he has said in the past that he thinks Illinois fans are... Annoying. Annoying, which, uh, you know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think he's actually going to try. So give me Hunter Dickinson. So I have back-to-back picks. I'll take Kevin McCuller. Okay. I'm expecting a big season from Kevin. I think 14, 15 points per game. Yeah. We'll get a handful plus of rebounds. Get you a couple assists here or there. We know he can get steals and blocks. He is a stat stuffer. Mm-hmm. Kevin McCuller, easy answer there. Now, okay. after this, I think most of our drafts are going to go Hunter Dickinson, Kevin McCuller, to be honest. Probably, yeah. After this, I think there's question with the new rule about the minutes played. Sure. Because... We were talking off air about this. You yeah. think that KJ Adams is, is going to suffer a bit? Affected. Because if KJ Adams has a game where he has twelve points, four rebounds, that would be twenty points worth of pickhawk points. Okay, but he plays thirty minutes. Like maybe he gets a block in there, maybe he gets a steal, maybe he gets an assist. That's still negative. That's negative two. Yeah. See, I think Nick Timberlake is the one that gets affected the most because he's going to be asked to basically to shoot threes. Sure. So if he has a night where he's cold from three and he plays twenty minutes and maybe scores six points and has like two rebounds, yeah. That's another one. Yes. But also, I mean, Dewan Harris, is is there he's, any worry there? What if Dewan plays 35 minutes a night and he only puts up eight points? Yeah, but if he's getting... Even if he's, if he's getting, getting eight if assists. If he's averaging nine assists per game. Even if he's getting eight think assists. Think about it. If he gets nine assists, all he has to do is score like five points and get like a rebound. And Not necessarily. Because if he has eight points and eight assists, that would give him 24 pick-a-hawk points. Let's say he gets one rebound that gets him to 26. No, I thought assists were worth three. No, assists are worth two. Oh, so, so like, blocks and steals are worth three. Is it better to take a bench player? I am going to go but, Dewan Harris. Yeah, okay. For the third pick. Because I think the steals could be a big help there. Yeah. But, like, I mean, there's very if much. if you get eight assists yeah. plus five steals. Well, if he gets five steals, he'll be fine, yeah. Eight assists plus five steals. Would give he was him getting a lot minutes. of steals last year. I know. But even then, that's a tight margin, man. Because if he plays 35 minutes, he has five points, five steals, eight assists. He would only have like one point. <laughs> that's crazy. Do you, think we'll have a, do you think we'll have a game this season where, where one both of us, us are negative yeah, for the game? Yeah. For the game. Like yes, the whole, whole team's uh, Actually, no. It's the whole tough. Team. Hunter Dickinson is going to have a, be a very high floor player. <laughs> but yes, it would not surprise me if it happened at one point. All right, who's your uh, next pick? <sighs> okay, I could go for KJ Adams. I could go for El Marco. I could go for Nick Timberlake. I think those are probably the three most logical. By the way, offers. I do think part of the reason I picked Dewan. I I think Illinois they don't really have a true point guard. He could get a bunch of steals. So there's okay. the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Keep in mind, you have back to back picks here. That's so if you're between two guys. You can just take those two. Yeah, well, okay, okay, I'll take KJ right. Adams. All right. I'll take KJ Adams here. Uh, I think. You mentioned Kevin McCuller being kind of a stat sufferer. I think KJ Adams can be that to maybe not as consistently, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could still easily have a game where he gets a lot. You know, if you remember right, Bill Self talked about this a lot last year where he said KJ Adams didn't get as many rebounds because he was always focused on boxing out the big dude. Well, now you got a big dude of your own that can go do that. So maybe KJ Adams actually averages more rebounds, mm-hmm. gets more rebounds. I don't know. KJ Adams. And then uh, I'm going to go with El Marco Jackson here over Nick Timberlake, because kind of as I alluded to, Nick Timberlake might end up playing a decent amount, but I don't know if he's, I mean, he's going to score. It depends on if he's going to score or not. He's probably not a guy that's going to be getting a ton of rebounds or or even really assists or steals. 
So I'll take El Marco here. I think he's got a high ceiling of what he can potentially produce. And I think El Marco also, sneaky, is a guy that might be one of the best picks in this because he may not play as many minutes as a Dewan Harris or Kevin McCuller, but I think he has the explosive potential to put up as many points or stats as those guys might play. Yeah. Which, If he does that in less minutes, he's going to score more points. Or pick off points. Okay, so I'm also not going to go with Nick Timberlake because I agree it's it's just tough. Like he could have he, he could even have three threes, which is a pretty good night. Yeah, nine points, nine points, three rebounds, one assist, and he ends up with negative three points in 20 minutes. Yes, you know that's tough. Yes. yes. So I'm going to go with Parker Brown. I think mm. there's some efficiency here. Parker mm. Brown is probably only going to play a max of like 12 minutes. Yeah, 15, probably closer to eight to 10. Yes. I, I don't know. It's, I mean, hard, it's hard to say because it's an I'd exhibition. I'd be pretty shocked right? if he played. Well, I guess for the exhibition, yeah. Maybe. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't know if lighter loads for people or what. Yeah. But realistically, probably like eight minutes or so, you know? If yeah. he grabs, if he has two points and grabs three rebounds, I'm golden. Yeah, you're at least even you're there. You're playing with house money, yeah. right? Yeah. Gets up another block or something like that. So I'm going to go with him. And then I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to let you have him. I'm taking Brian's pick from yesterday. That's sad. I wanted Michael Jankovic. I know you did. Really Michael badly. Jankovic is going to be but my dude, pick. dude. I can't sit here and take him over KJ or El Marco, so I didn't have a choice. You could, you could have El Marco. No, because what if El Marco plays twenty five minutes and has six points, two assists? I honestly think I would rather not take KJ in that scenario. Okay, I'd rather wow. have El Marco and Jank. All right. Well, you have one more pick, so you might be stuck with Nick Timberlake, or you go Jamari <laughs> McDowell. Oh, true. Yeah, I was like John, I was Johnny Furphy. You could pick Patrick Furphy's Ritchie. Not, Furphy's not gonna. I heard play. a lot of when we were uh, talking to a lot of players. I kept asking people like, "Who's the best shooter on the team?" You know, Nick Timberlake, Michael Jankovic would be the most common answers. The third most common answer I got was Patrick Ritchie. Mm. Does that do anything for you? Oh, wait, I thought his name was Patrick Cassidy. Oh, whatever it is. <laughs> it's Patrick Cassidy. Oh, is it? That it's felt disrespectful Richie. the way I said that. I didn't mean it to come across. It's not Ritchie. It's Patrick Cassidy. Okay. The other walk Is there a Ritchie? Yeah, Patrick Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah. Who's Ritchie? I don't know. What am I thinking of? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Anyway, who's your last pick? Uh, I think it's got to be either McDowell or Timberlake. I'll I'll go Timberlake. Mm. I guess. I don't feel great about it though. Nick's bringing sexy back. All right. I'm bringing sexy back. <laughs> yeah. Dickinson, KJ, El Marco, Timberlake. I got Kevin, Dewan, Parker, and Michael Jankovic. We'll uh, keep an eye on that for Monday. Uh the Kansas State Chiefs play on Sunday, and that game will actually be going on during the exhibition game. Yeah. I'll have the two TV set up. Have, have the two TV set up here or yeah. a laptop or something. Because the It's on Big Ten Network. <sighs> That's a that's a disaster. just listen to the game on the radio and watch yeah. the Chiefs game. There Boom. you go. That's true. Yeah, I know a lot of people that will do that with Chiefs games. Anyways, mm-hmm. they'll mute the TV and just listen to the Chiefs radio. Yeah, you can listen you can to mute the TV and listen K to radio. K radio. Right here on KLWN yeah. and on one hundred five nine Kiss. Yeah. Uh, Denver is bad. We know that. They're not very good. No, they are still thirty second in the NFL and uh, DVOA on defense. So last. It is weird though to play Denver this so, this close to last time. Oh yeah. For sure. So the spread, we'll, we'll get into our game picks because we actually have this one in our game picks later. But, like, I I don't know, man. I There's a part of me that wonders if this is going to be a close game just because you just played them two weeks ago. Oh, it's ago. definitely going to be a close game. Familiar. It's in, in, it's in Denver. I expect the Chiefs to win. But could it be close for comfort? Wouldn't yeah. shock me. Well, I mean, think about it. The Thursday night game was probably close for comfort for a little bit of it. Yeah. You know? And now you're going to go on the road. And, and you're right. I think... Playing Denver two times in three weeks, playing a team two times in three weeks, probably favors the team that sucks compared to the team that's good. I would think so. Because you can come up with more scheme stuff. Because, dude, Andy Reid, this is what he does. He parks the bus. He says, we're going to play Denver, and why on earth would we show anything on film against Denver? 
So they're just going to be very vanilla, I think, probably for the most part. And not really take any big risks or do anything too crazy, both on offense and defense. Mm -hmm. And just trust that they're better, which they are better, obviously. But I don't know, man. This 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 would be a kitchen sink de- kitchen sink game for Denver. But you know, I thought about, I was thinking about it, and is is the Chiefs game not a kitchen sink game for every single opponent they play? In a way, yes. I think more so when you're a divisional opponent, though. Yeah, because and it's, I don't know, it's maybe not just the kitchen sink of that year. It's the kitchen sink of last year and two years ago that you've been like. You know what I mean? Just like storing yeah. well, stuff and up and, and the gathering more data. Haven't yeah. beaten the Chiefs since the Civil War, so <laughs> you know there's that aspect too. So they're, I'm sure they're going to be wanting to win, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, we're getting to that point where with the Chiefs, it's like, well, just you know, do don't, your thing, don't suck, play your game, and you're you're going to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that simple. Well, uh, they, I mean, I'm excited lose to see one weird game a year with Andy Reid. Yeah, any chance this would be the one? I think it definitely could be. I don't. Like the Colts last year. Well, I mean, think about it. Think about next week. Next week, their Germany game, right? Looking ahead. Looking ahead to Germany. Looking ahead, if, you know, Tyree Travis Hill. Kelsey, looking ahead to going to the Ares Tour in Germany <laughs> or in wherever Taylor Swift is going to be. You know, I was thinking, does that guarantee Taylor Swift is going to be at the Germany game? That's a good question. I feel like it probably does, right? So is this? So is the Denver game going to be a game where Travis Kelsey's left to his own devices? Because if so, I hate you. he's not that good. That'll be the true test of how good of a couple they are. Can they withstand a trip together overseas? Mm. You, know? you think that's a big deal in a relationship? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's Going a lot overseas? that goes into overseas travel, you know? Okay. A lot of things that can uh, yeah. frustrate the couple. And so okay. it can lead to agitation. Huh. That'll be the true test. I don't know. I feel like I'm a pretty laid-back guy. Okay. I could go with anybody and be fine, I think. I don't know. But I guess if you were thinking about you know benchmarks of a relationship, Going overseas, that's a pretty big one, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at the, the matchup of the Chiefs' offense against the Broncos' defense, worst defense in the NFL, but they, they held the Chiefs to 19 points. Was it 18, yeah. 19, 19, whatever it was? 19 uh, to 8. When they played in Kansas City. So, like, do you view that as Denver might know something? Do you view that as Chiefs just had a no, bad game? I think I view it as Andy Reid is parking the bus. Okay. Because it seems like they got the offense going last week against the Chargers. Like, yeah. Rashi Rice getting going, Travis yeah. Kelsey going off. Yeah. Mikko Hardman having an impact. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously the, the the things I'm most excited for is more Mecole Hardman, more Charles and Menehue, and uh, more more of the Chiefs defense. And when you look at the Chiefs defense, they were pretty good without Nick Bolton when he was out previously, but now knowing he's going to be out for an even more extended period of time, I'm going to keep be keeping an eye on Drew Tranquil as well because he needs to continue to play at a high level, and I have no reason to suspect that he won't. Man, that was such a good signing. Yeah. He's been so good, and, and yeah. yeah, to your point on I mean, that. I thought it was a good signing when they when they did it oh, initially, yeah. and now it's just turned into even better because of injuries. Well, it's a, you see too when you play the Chargers last week, and you're just like exploiting the middle of the field, and you're like, oh, maybe they could use that guy, you know? Well, the Chargers are just idiots. They are. I don't really know like, how. Well, to we could pay it. Drew Tranquil four million dollars, or we could pay J.C. Jackson eight hundred million dollars, and, and then, then trade, trade him to the Patriots for a seventh round draft pick. Yeah, yeah. let's go with that one. Yeah, no, the, the Chargers are they they need to fold. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens in this uh, with the, with this Denver game and the you know the Denver defense, as you said, bad. Russell Wilson's low key been cooking this season. They held him to under a hundred passing yards though in the first game. That's crazy. Besides that game, he's low key been cooking. I don't think he really has. Yeah, he's. I think he has like thirteen touchdowns, only a couple interceptions. Been doing decent. But is numbers. that just the classic? Like I'm just gonna check it down and make my stat line look good. 
I think it's the classic. He's not turning it over a lot. I guess so. I'm looking at a total QBR. He's 21st in the NFL. One spot behind Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> One spot in front of Desmond Ritter. Uh, Actually, okay. technically, he's also one but, spot. But, I mean, you know, 1,500 yards, 13 tuds, four interceptions. That's not bad, I don't think. No, but I I think, again, it's one of those things where you're just, you know, getting some some cheesy ones. Well, yeah, because he knows Sean Payton's trying to throw him under the bus. By the way, Patrick Holmes first in QBR. As much as we've talked about, like, the offensive struggles, doesn't look right. Oh, no, that, yeah, out the no, receivers. Well, again, it's because you, you're constantly being compared mm-hmm. to the previous offenses that sure. you had, which, by the way, the previous offenses that you've had, like 2018, 2021, 2022 – those are top five offenses in the history of the NFL. So, yeah, of course, if you're going to compare, that's that's your bar. Yeah, of course. You're going you're gonna to be like, well, why is the offense as good? Oh, I don't know, because you're comparing it to a top three offense in the history of 80 years of football. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much another one of these games that I get tired saying it, but it's so true. As long as the Chiefs <laughs> avoid weird stuff, weird yep, turnovers, they're don't fine. don't suck, and you're going to win. But if you do those things, you can lose because it's the NFL. And we see the Chiefs, Chiefs lose a weird game that they're not supposed if to. If they like, lose, I year. will not be, like, I'll be mad, but I won't be, like, jumping off a bridge. Okay. I'll be I'll be more tempered in my okay. in my reaction. What if they lost this week and to the Dolphins next week? I don't care about the I don't care about the Germany game, mm. to be honest. Just because it's overseas? Yeah, it's overseas. I don't think it matters. Yeah. Is that just you preparing I mean, it does, for Tyreek Hill? It matters. Well, Tyreek Hill might not. I think he's hurt. He's been dealing with he's saying he's going to play though this week. Okay. It's Patriots. But I think it, I will be mad though because that game suddenly is going to have a lot of implications possibly on the one seed. Mm-hmm. So I will I will care that way. But I mean, yeah, it's Germany. I don't know. It's going to be weird because <laughs> it's Germany. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, joins us next to go over some game picks. And we'll have our game picks of our own. More KU football talk in the five o'clock hour with RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Half past four, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. October rolls on. That means Locktober rolls on for uh, one final weekend of football here. And we're joined by Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Lee, thanks for hopping on once again today. We're going to get things started with uh, Oklahoma State giving up seven and a half against Cincinnati in a Big 12 showdown. Oklahoma State has uh, gotten hot lately. Who do you like in this one? And and I, I thought like a month ago this team was the least talented team for Oklahoma State I'd seen probably in maybe close to 20 years. But uh, you have to give their coaching staff credit. They had three revenge games. They won all three games. They finally settled on a quarterback. And they got a running back. Kidney Molly Gordon is just getting the job done. He's run for between 136 and 282 yards. I think Cincinnati's going to key on him, but I think they're going to have a tough time stopping him. I think now looking back, Cincinnati should have probably designed their offense a little bit different. I know that you know when you have a coaching staff come in, Scott Satterfield, he wanted to do a certain, you know, run that certain offense. But Emory Jones, they needed to include more option with him. He's more of a runner here. You know, maybe trying to put Xavier Henderson in the slot, but uh, he's their only real threat on the offense. And uh, I think Oklahoma State's figured it out here. I think they win and cover 37-27. All right. And uh, another Big 12 game features Kansas State giving up 17 points against a Houston Cougars team that nearly upset Texas last week. Yeah, this, this Kansas State team 
normally when you have two quarterbacks, you've got none. You've heard that saying. But I think that both quarterbacks are okay with what's going on here. So I think they always knew that they were going to have to make a change of quarterback. Uh, probably thought it would be next year they could get – you know, get by this year with Will Levis, but they just had no escapability and no big play capability with their running backs and the receivers, so they finally went to Avery Johnson. I mean, Avery Johnson's a real deal. A lot of people don't realize this. He was one of the top ten quarterback recruits in the country coming in, so uh, they finally now have a big play guy. They're moving, you know, uh, Will Howard, uh, you know, in and out of the lineup. In fact, they even had him playing a couple times uh, in the game together, which I like. I think they're being creative there. Do I still think they're great? No. Here's the problem for Houston. I don't know if they can get up three straight games. I mean, they came back in that West Virginia game. I don't think they were the better team, but they willed themselves back into that game and won on a Hail Mary. But uh, they just, I mean, to come back from 21 nothing and lose that game, that had to take a lot out of them. Now they got to play a Kansas State team. they got to go on the road. Third times, I think, it's going to be the jinx for them. And uh, I think the big plays from A.B. Johnson will be the difference. I like Kansas State, 48-28. Another 17-point line in the Big 12 features Texas, who is minus 17 against BYU. Obviously, different quarterback in there with uh, Murphy instead of Ewers. I think uh, Texas, the worst record they have against any opponent in their program history, minimum five games, is BYU, weirdly enough. So who do you like in this one? So I think the public is going to play BYU, and, and there's going to be a lot of money come in on BYU. Why do I say that? Because they won last week by two touchdowns. That's one of the reasons. They were playing Texas Tech. They were plus five in turnovers. How'd they get those plus five turnovers? Texas Tech was playing a third-string quarterback. Third-string quarterback for Tech probably would be fifth-string for you guys. He's that bad. So I think that's one reason there, and then Texas obviously loses Quinn Ewers, and I, you know I think he is you know a loss. I mean I think Quinn is good, but there is a path to win this game for Texas. If Sarkeesian smart, what he does is runs the ball fifty times. He can win it up front. BYU, this is not a good team. BYU has had trouble all year with quality opponents. In fact. You go back to starting in the middle of the season, they gave up uh, 221 yards. That's right, 221 yards to you guys. Then it got worse, 242 on the ground to Cincinnati. And then TCU said, well, we'll run a little and we'll throw a lot. They threw, threw for almost 450 yards. Then they got, uh, you know, they, they, they were thrown a, a life preserver last week in the game against Texas Tech. So, I think Texas, if they're smart, just runs it 50 times, throws it 10 to 12 times. If so, they'll win 34-10. Oklahoma is giving up 10 points. They're playing in Lawrence tomorrow against Kansas. Who do you like between the Sooners and the Jayhawks? Well, we all know the history. You know, it's it's, it's been one-sided. Oklahoma has won 18 straight games in the series. Uh, last Jayhawks win, 97. All 18 wins have been by double digits. OU had covered six straight games going into the game last week. Maybe, you know, going out of the bye uh, was one of the reasons they were a little sluggish. Also lost a turnover battle uh, to UCF. But uh, they're still plus 10 in turnover ratio. If Jalen Daniels was playing in this game, if he was healthy, I'd give a look to Kansas here. But Jason Bean is capable. I just don't think he's dynamic enough and able to carry a team. And the defense, 
somewhat a little bit better than last year. But remember last year they put up Oklahoma 701 yards. We need some swirling winds. Uh, we need some rain and a couple turnovers. I hate to say it. I like OU here. I think they win and cover 42-24. Uh, on to the NFL, Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Denver Broncos, second time in like three weeks here. Chiefs are giving up seven and a hook uh, in Mile High. Who do you like there? That's that bother you guys when when you see. Uh, I think it's it's lazy scheduling. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I I don't understand that, especially with division stuff. I I don't get why they don't play one early, one late. Right. I, I mean, or at least five weeks apart mm-hmm. should never be two or three weeks. So I have a problem with it. Uh, doesn't excite me. Kansas City, obviously one of the top three, four best teams, but they've had trouble scoring against Denver. In fact, they've only gone above 28 points once last six games. Now they've dominated them. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's almost like serial torment, similar to Green Bay over Chicago. They've won 16 straight in the twice-a-year series. But Denver's defense has also improved, uh, allowed only 19 and 17 points uh, in the last two games. And I think their offense is getting a little bit better. So, uh, I think, you know, winning by more than a touchdown, you saw it last night with Buffalo. Backdoor cover is usually wide open here. NFL, there's not that much of a difference between teams, between the best and the worst teams. So uh, at home, more than a touchdown might be too much. I think KC wins 28-24, but the Broncos cover. Okay. Well, we were just talking about that. If it would be one of the classic kind of, I don't know, maybe they're not showing everything games. Now, your free play game is is Dallas minus 6.5 against the L.A. Rams. How can people get a hold of that pick? Yep, anyone wants to get it for free. Um, And i got a real strong opinion on this game. Be one of the first five callers. Call 800-400-9741. First five callers will get Dallas and the Rams on me. 800-400-9741. And this is one of those really rare two-week periods where all four sports are taking place. And we've had an incredible year. Football, we're 61-38 and 38 on the year. Football's going on. Baseball, World Series is going on, starts tonight. Uh, we've won five more games than we've lost in baseball in the playoffs. We've got the NBA. That started on Tuesday night. We're already 2-0 there. And in hockey, that started two and a half weeks ago. We're 12-6. and So I know there's a lot of people who've maybe never been with me before or, you know, have one sport, would like to add another sport, but, you know, want to try it, want to dip their toe in the water. How about this? Usually a one-day all-access pass on a Saturday or Sunday Seventy-seven to ninety-seven dollars. I, there's a slew of games I like. On the website, it says seven for seven for not seventy-seven, seventeen dollars. I just added another game. Eight games in all four sports tonight. Seventeen bucks. That's right, seventeen dollars. You heard me correct. You want to give it a shot? I think you'll be happy. Hopefully, make some money and uh, give one of our sports a try for at least for a month or more. Just one place: ParamountSports.com. All right, thanks again, Lee. Have a good weekend, and good luck to uh, all you guys this week. Okay, stay safe, stay dry this weekend. All right, guys? All right, thanks, you too. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports there on Rock Truck Sports Talk. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We're going to get to our game picks with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Truck Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. 
It's that time of the week on Rock Chalk Sports Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. All right. Game picks for this week. Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Before we do that, we're going to be at Big Mill tomorrow, 830 to 930 on KLWN. You can hear our local tailgating pregame show. Uh, Kish Screw is going to be there 8.30 to 10.30. We're going to be giving away gift cards to Big Mel. We have T-shirts to give away, and we have all sorts of free swag from Grandstand, who's uh, providing us with a bunch of customized gear from our clear tote bags to our mini footballs and plenty more. You can get some customized gear yourself with Grandstand. Go to egrandstand.com, and if you're looking for work, they're hiring as well. You can find some of their amazing jobs uh, they really take care of their employees, egrandstand.com slash careers. So uh, in game picks, I'm not doing well. You're doing very no, well you're in doing the NFL. very bad, yeah. Yeah. Uh, overall, you are 43-29-3. With your locks, you're 50-36. and 36. Mm. I am 32-41-2. With my locks, I am 41-47-2. College football, you're 19-19. and 19. I am 14-24. and 24. I have been horrible in college football. We both went 3-2 and two last week, though. Hopefully uh, moving up in the right direction. First up for this week, college football, number one Georgia's taking on Florida. The Bulldogs are giving up 14 and a half in the world's biggest cocktail party. Is that what they call it? Yeah, that's what like the rivalry is called. Oh, I didn't know that. It's played on neutral. It's it's played in yeah, like Jacksonville. Jacksonville yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know they called it that. Yeah. Uh yeah. Um, dude, okay. The books, I guess they just must they every week they just make Georgia a 14 point favorite because they don't know what else to do. Georgia is Screwing around. They can't blow anybody out, but they're still winning games. It's like, dude, whatever. But here's the deal. I don't bet against... I bet against Graham Mertz, and he turns into Graham Mahomes. I bet on Graham Mertz, and he turns into Graham Mertz, a.k.a. Bat. I'm going to go against him. I'm going to go with Georgia here. Give me the Bulldogs. Okay, I was originally going to take Georgia, but after you said what you said, I, I feel like I have to pick Florida because that means <laughs> that Graham Mertz is going to go off. Yes, it does. I'll just take Florida. I don't know. Okay. Right. I don't feel great about it. Because Georgia's played a lot of these teams too close for comfort, but like also It feels still like Georgia. they're due to just smash somebody. I mean they did with Kentucky. Yeah. That's Are they true. due to do it again? Maybe. Yeah, that's true. No, they needed to put Kentucky in their place. No, number 18 Oregon is giving up six and a half points at number 13 Utah. Dude, you're gonna sit here and tell me that I ha- that if I'm gonna have a choice between betting on Oregon or, or Mr. Pig, <laughs> Mr. Pig all day. How am I Pig gonna bet farmer. against Pig Farmer? How am I going to bet against my guy? Are Mr. you a Pig, little worried? Big Farmer, Utah. So I, I too, am going with Utah. They're playing at home. It's a night game. Game day's there. Crowd's yep. going to be electric. Yep. They're a tough physical football team. Yep. They've done well against Oregon I don't know that they'll the past win, years. but they're going to come. I don't either, but are you scared at all that, like, is this a little bit of a does a Vegas know something line? Like, you have a team. It, this is number eight versus number 13. Number 13's at home. Yeah, and but they're getting still, six and a half? It's still a backup quarterback. That's a lot. I mean, I'm guessing that just Vegas doesn't have as much faith in Mr. Pig as I do. I guess. I I, I don't know, man. Oregon, I, I don't know. I, I think it makes sense. I mean, backup quarterback. I guess. You know. Oregon's really physical. I don't think they're going to have the same issues with Utah. Like, I could see them holding Utah in check. Again, this is not what I feel great about. But yeah, I'm I mean, I don't Utah. think Pig Farmer is going to really be as explosive as he was against USC because USC is bad. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, this to me has the makings of like a 20-17 to 17 type game. Okay. And uh, I think uh, Pig Farmer is going to cover and possibly outright, outright win. I'll go with Utah. 
Number 20, Duke at number 18, Louisville. They're giving up four and a half. Yeah, so I think uh, Riley Leonard's status is still up in the air for Duke here. Yeah, I, I'm uh, kind of under the expectation he's not yeah, going to play. It seems more likely than not that he that he's not going to play. Uh, so that's probably reflected in the fact that Louisville's favorite. But Jawar Jordan, the stud running back for Louisville, might not play too. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go with Duke here because I think Duke is the better team, regardless of who their quarterback is. I don't know that they'll win, I guess, if they have their backup because their backup really was not good against Florida State. But to be fair, on the road against the top five team, you know, cut up some slack, I guess, for coming into the game in that situation. But uh, I'll, I'll go with Duke here. This also is not a game that I feel great about or would be picking, but it's one of the best games of the week, so here we are having to pick it. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go Louisville. I, I can see Mike Elko playing a close game with Duke. Good defensive coordinator. Uh, Plummer, the quarterback for Louisville, has like eight interceptions, so... He's been interception prone. Louisville, though, has just been really good at home. We saw them blast Notre Dame a couple weeks ago. I'll just take the Cardinals minus four and a half. Okay. Okay. Number 21, Tennessee is minus three and a half at Kentucky. Man, the, the this is a fraud alert. Two teams that are frauds. Tennessee and Kentucky. They're both frauds. So when you have a game when you have a matchup of two frauds, what do you do? I think you just gotta go with the home team here, <laughs> okay. I guess. I'm gonna go with Kentucky. Joe Milton continues to be overrated. I don't think Tennessee is that really that good. Uh, I'll go with I'll go with the Kentucky Wildcats here. Kentucky fighting, wins outright. The Fighting John Calipari's. I'm taking Kentucky. They went outright. Uh, number eleven, Oregon State oh, yeah, minus guess, three. Yeah. Yeah, I think Arizona. Kentucky went outright too. By the way. Okay. Yeah. I did, I I misread what you said. For some reason, I thought that Kentucky was favored, but Tennessee. They're getting points. Yeah. Kentucky's getting points. Yeah. Yes. I figured. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number eleven, Oregon State minus three at Arizona. You want to talk about a trap line. What is going on here? I mean, this should be a slam dunk for the Beavers all day, every day. Minus three against Arizona? What are we doing here? Pac-12 after dark. What, what, what's going on? Arizona you know? blasted Washington State. The, the Brian Windhorst meme. What, what's going on over there? What's going on? Hmm? What is what is happening in Tucson? Give me Oregon State. I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to take the bait. Oregon State. I'm going to Arizona. Also, don't feel great about this. I wish the line was a little bit bigger. That gave me a bit more coverage. I think Arizona is the best three-loss team in the country. How about that? <laughs> okay. I couldn't name another three-loss team. Uh, lock your three-loss in lock of the week. So am I. Four, yeah. three, and one for you. Five and three for me. Who is your lock of the week? Dude, Wyoming is getting disrespected. They've been a staple for my locks. I thought <laughs> yeah. about making them. On they are field. getting disrespected. Plus five and a half against Boise State. Boise State's not that good this year. Boise State's that good either. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they're still probably going to win eight or nine games, but I don't think they're... They already have four losses. I don't think... Oh, they do? Yeah. Oh, okay. Three and four. Man, maybe not that. They might not even... Okay. They might not even win seven yeah. games. Yeah. That, that's just indicative of... Uh, again, I don't I don't think they're that good. So, I am rolling with the Cowboys. Wyoming, plus five and a half. I think Wyoming may win this outright also, actually. I'm going to go with South Carolina plus 15 and a half at Texas A&M. South Carolina's not had a very good season. They're like two and five or something like that. So they're desperate for a win, but also they've lost to a lot of good teams. I just don't think Texas A&M's that good. Like Texas A&M has a ton of talent, and they're one of those teams that when they're playing like a good team, like when they played Alabama, they'll play up and they'll play them close. Yeah. But when they play a bad team, they don't get up for it. So I think South Carolina keeps this one close. South Carolina won the game last year too. On to the NFL, where on the season you are twenty-four and ten. You went four and one last week. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm on a roll. You are. I'm I am eighteen and seventeen in the NFL. LA Rams at Dallas. Cowboys giving up six points. Yeah, dude, I'm out on the Rams. I'm out. Lost to the Steelers. You, you, you cost me the Bengals being being in the playoffs. 
I'm going to keep bringing this up. Every week, I'm going to bring this up. Bengals would be out of the playoffs if the Rams would have beat them in week four, or week three, whatever it was. Because of that, I'm picking against the Rams. Give me Dallas here. I think, I, I don't know, Dallas, you know, the, early in the season, they they had everyone, every every other game, it felt like they were blowing somebody out, and they've kind of haven't done that really. Maybe they blow out the Rams here. Taking the Cowboys. I'm going to take the Rams. Okay. I don't know why. I just am. Puka Nakua. Can't stop me. You know, the fighting Puka, 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 Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Matt Stafford. Yeah, I guess they keep it close. Yeah. Jacksonville, minus two and a half at Pittsburgh. This is another one that's a weird line, I feel like. Weird line here. Pittsburgh's coming off a big win against the Rams. Well, how big can it be? You said the Rams stink. Well, no, I, I thought they didn't stink, but then they lost to the Steelers. Now I think they do stink. So then that means you're not high. sense? The Steelers win, though. It's a big win for the Steelers, though. But it can't be if you think the other team stinks. I didn't think the other team stunk. KU got a big win in week one against Missouri State. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't think they stunk. And then the Steelers, who I didn't think were actually as good, beat the Rams. So now I think the Steelers are better, and I think the Rams stink. (laughs) What part of that doesn't make sense? Uh, The whole thing. Anyway, (laughs) what was your pick? I'm going with the Steelers here, man. I think this is another trap line. I think in in your mind you're like, dude, Matt Canada is going to be coaching in Canada next season. (laughs) The Steelers suck. Why would you bet the Steelers? I think everyone's going to pick Jacksonville and give me the Steelers. <laughs> I'm going to go. What? What are you laughing at now? That was a good line. Uh, I'm going to go with Jacksonville minus two and a half. I just, I just think they're the better team. I, I, I don't know how the Steelers win some of these games. It's just Mike Tomlin magic, man. <laughs> I just, here's what it is to me. Here's what it is to me. I can't envision waking up on Monday morning being like the Steelers are, are five, five and, and two. two. I know. Right? They're going to win the division. So I'm just going into that. I'm steering into that. Give me Jacksonville. Dude, AFC North champs, Steelers. I'm telling you. Hey, this used to be an AFC North matchup. Which Why Jacksonville was ever in the AFC North. Wait, really? Me. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, back in the day when they had, uh, before the Texans entered in, they had like three divisions of five. Huh. And it was when the Seahawks were in the AFC West and the huh. Jaguars. Anyway. Uh, Kansas yeah. City's minus seven at Denver. Chiefs. I, it's probably not going to happen. I'm taking the Chiefs, though. I don't feel good about this pick at all, which is why I'm just leaning into it even heavier, even more heavily that the Chiefs are going to cover. Uh, because I think, honestly, all signs would indicate that Denver's probably the right pick here. Uh, they're at home. You just they This is the second time they're playing in, in the past three you know, three weeks. What are the odds? Close, that, weird game. Yeah, what are the odds that the Chiefs are going to blow out the Broncos in their second matchup in three weeks on the road? Probably pretty slim. And for that reason, Chiefs. Okay, I agree with your assessment until you came to the conclusion, Chiefs. I'm taking Denver, close game. Uh, let's go to Cleveland at Seattle. The Seahawks are giving up three and a half. Mm. This is an afternoon, so you can't have your jet lag, I guess. Oh, yeah. Which you consider. No, no, no. There's no jet lag for East Coast teams. I've explained this to you. If the Browns are coming west and it's a, it's a you know, one o'clock game or whatever on the west coast for Seattle and the Browns are coming west, it doesn't affect their body clock because okay. it'd be just a three o'clock game for them. Okay. It doesn't. There's no. Well, then you don't have there's to worry no about jet it. lag if you're coming west. Okay, and you don't have to worry about it unless it's a late night game. <laughs> All right. Who's what? your pick? Who's your pick? What? Who is your pick? I can't believe you don't understand my my logic here. My pick is Seattle. Uh, I I mean, Cleveland's defense is really good. Miles Garrett, defensive player of the year, probably at this to this point at least, uh, halfway point through the season, but. Sean Watson's out again, I think, right? Or he's not going to play, pretty sure. Sounds like it. So, Seattle. 
I'm going to go Cleveland. I just, Sean Watson hasn't been very good this year anyway. He does it, It's all about the defense. Yeah. Uh, I think they can limit Seattle down. I think it's a kind of lower scoring, gross game. Yeah, Gino's gone back to being bad Gino. Yeah. But I'm going to I'm gonna ride with it. I'm taking Cleveland. Cincinnati at San Francisco, 49ers giving up four points. <sighs> so Brock Purdy, I think, is also in concussion protocol. He's questionable. Questionable. I'm going to go Cincinnati. I think I think the Bengals force too much. Yeah, I think the Bengals are. I think they win this game outright. Actually, I I wouldn't be surprised if they win it outright. Man, what a slide that'd be for the 49ers. That'd be what three straight losses if they lose that. Yeah, because they lost to the Browns. Yeah, lost to the Vikings. I think San Fran wins, but four feels like too much. I feel like this is a coin flip, close game. Comes down to like a field goal or something. Uh, I think Cincinnati at least keeps it close. Plus, Cincinnati's coming off a bye week. So extra week to prepare. Yeah. I'll take the Bengals plus the four. Your lock of the week in the NFL is three and four. Who do you like? I am taking the Atlanta Falcons minus two and a half against Tennessee. Arthur the Smith Titans revenge game? Are bad. Not really I don't like biting, betting on uh, Arthur Smith because he's a clown. But this is a this is a, a a podium game for me. Okay. The Titans stink. I have said every single chance I've gotten, the Titans are bad. The Titans stink. This is this is me putting my money where my mouth is. Falcons minus two and a half over Tennessee. So I actually thought about picking Tennessee here because I was like, oh, Mike Vrabel knows all of Arthur Smith's tricks. Maybe. Then they traded Kevin Byard this week, and that's got a signal to them we're blowing that it up. We're tank. giving it up, right? And that's got to put a— Tannehill sucks. Yeah. Derrick Henry's old. DeAndre Hopkins is old. So I'm going to go with Baltimore minus nine and a half against Arizona. Yeah, that's a big line. It is a big line, and that's what scares me a little bit. But Arizona has kind of started to fade here. And Baltimore is in the Lamar Jackson. I guess in games, Lamar Jackson starts. They are 15-1 and one against the NFC. Wow. That's Give me insane. Baltimore. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. It's good. Yeah, the, the Cardinals have gone from being, like, bad but feisty to now just bad. <laughs> They're starting to sink. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> They're starting to just become bad. So that'll be my uh, lock of the week. All right, that is our game picks for the week. Two hours down, one to go. We'll get to our KU game picks, more KU football talk. we got KU football audio as well coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. High school football on our airwaves tonight in the uh, playoffs. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. Rock Chalk Sports Talk, 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST on KLWN. We're going to get some uh, KU football audio coming up with Bryce Cable and Cornell Wheeler. And uh, we'll get your RCST replay with Kent Swanson coming up in a bit. Reminder for our sports schedule, we got high school football. It's playoff season. The uh, leaves are changing. Some of them are dying. Some of them are turning orange and red and yellow. And that's how you know it's high school football season. The fall is here. Or playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah. Although I will say the weather today is very much indicative of like how fall in, in Kansas, it's awesome, but it's like three weeks long. And then it just quickly dips off to like wind. I consider this more winter weather than I do fall you think so? weather. Uh, it's not quite cold enough, I think. Maybe not today. Maybe if tomorrow, it's like though. 40 or 45, I think we're pretty close. I mean, we're in the low 50s, high 40s. So we're like right on the border. We're still on the board. We're I think tomorrow's winter weather. Okay. You can high think, of 48. You consider tomorrow winter. Low of 35, cloudy and rain. That <laughs> sounds like winter to me. Dude, that is the, by the way, that is the worst weather you could possibly have. <laughs> I'm I'm being dead serious. Okay, forty-five is that good though for Kansas with a with a strong north wind, cloudy, dreary. Mm-hmm. Bleh, it's terrible. I hate it. Right, I despise wait, yeah. this. Hold weather. the thought. 
We're going to talk more about the weather and how it pertains to the game because okay. I did want to mention again. High school football night, Lawrence High here on KLWN, 7 o'clock, oh, right. pregame that's, 645. That's, that's right. Yeah. Free right. State will be over on 92.9 The Bull, bull929.com. And both schools, we have a video feed for both schools. So if you want to find the video feed that's paired with our radio broadcast, go to klwn.com. Click the sports tab. Pulls up high school sports. You can watch it there. Uh, if you have YouTube, which everybody does, just pull up your computer or Wait, your phone. Wait, what's YouTube? Uh, yeah, well, if, if you are like Nick, uh, YouTube is a streaming service, sort of, <laughs> where people post videos. If you actually have a smart TV at home, you can pull up the YouTube app. So if you got like a Roku or a Fire Stick or an Apple TV or something, you can get the YouTube app, pull it up, go to GPM, M as in Marshmallow, uh, GPM Sports. And you can watch the game and listen to our radio feed on your TV at home. That's pretty sweet. That is pretty That's sweet. pretty cool. So you can do that and then obviously listen to the games. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be out at Big Mill before the game. Our pregame show will be 8.30 to 9.30. Yep. And the KISS crew will be there 8.30 to 10.30 at Big Mill. You can get all sorts of great specials throughout the day at Big Mill. And on we're top of that, you can win free stuff with us. experiencing firsthand the winter weather. That's right. And I mean, where else can you get up to the second weather forecast? Weather It'll be even colder for, for the pregame show than it will be by the time 11 a.m., but it's still going to be cold. It might yeah. be a little bit rainy. Who knows? Maybe there's sleet or slush in the no. air. You no. don't think so? First of all, I mean, if it's like slush, 36. Hang on. Time out. Time okay. out. You can't have slush rain from the air. Well, slush would be on the ground after. Correct. Yeah. Yes. But it can't rain. Slush. But it could sleet. It, it could sleet. Because it could be cold enough up in the sky, and by the time it gets down. By the way, whoever like, decided that sleet means what it means i think they nailed it i think so too when you think that sleep, thing is sleep <laughs> yes there's nothing exactly. else that thing 100%. is it's sleep 100 no but i i think it helps kansas and and i am a little bit wary because i remember going into the texas game last year and remember that texas game was cold as windy it was like yeah, 20 was 25 degrees i was out at a tailgate and the tent blew away brutal brutal um really windy but it wasn't rainy but still no. i remember going to that game being like oh this might be a good thing kansas likes to run the football well, texas is from texas like they're not gonna like the weather texas has had Bijan Robertson. yeah that was the problem that they ran for a billion yards and that was the issue but in this case oklahoma's running game is not leave something to desire bottom five in the league yeah Bottom in rushing league. yards uh, per game and rushing yards per attempt. Yep. So it's not like they're just not doing it much, but they're efficient at it. No, like they yep. haven't been very good at it. Yep. Now, Kansas, we know, has not been a great run defense. I don't think they've been horrid this year. Obviously, the Texas game was not great. Ollie Gordon went off, but Ollie Gordon's going off against everybody Dude, at this Ollie, point. Ollie Heisman. Man. I know, seriously. I actually looked. He's like, he's actually starting to rise up on the Heisman <laughs> odds. Anyway, um, I, I do think the weather actually would help KU in this game. If, if you were to convince me that, hey, it's going to be all about running the football, passing the football is going to be a lot harder, special teams are going to come into play, I think those would be things that benefit Kansas. Yeah. Well, I mean, you take away the Oklahoma State special teams performance from KU, and yes. So hopefully they can bounce back from that. Uh, but, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, think about it. Where did Dylan Gabriel start his college career at? Before Central Florida. Before Oklahoma. That's right. Central Florida. You know where it doesn't get cold? Central Florida. Mm. Mm. Makes you think. Comes to Oklahoma, same deal. So I think it could definitely be a factor. And if it affects Dylan Gabriel negatively, that's obviously a huge positive for Kansas because Oklahoma's got the number one passing offense. That's that's really been their strong suit so far this season. And if that is inhibited in any way by the weather, that benefits KU, certainly. And on the other side, if you're KU and you focus more on your ground game with Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw, if it's cold, if it becomes more of a possession style of game and less air it out type, I think that certainly favors Kansas as well. So, yeah, it's it's a positive. And, you know, listen, I will say this. 40, 45, 48, that is not that cold. I'll say it. 
It's not that cold. I agree, but if it's 45 and raining and windy and overcast, oh yeah, if you it combine, starts to no, dampen. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it being chilly to cold. Yeah, and I'm fine with rain. You combine the two, no. I agree. No, but I think it might rain. I don't know. It's like it's it, it could it's, rain. It's differing throughout whether yeah, it's 60 percent, 80 percent. So we don't know. We don't know. But that would certainly affect it. So I'm actually looking back. I'm trying to. I mean, it's it's impossible to know. Like. Unfortunately, this isn't the NFL. Like, if you go to NFL players, they actually have on their stat pages, they'll have, like, um, splits where it's, like, plays like this in weather under this degree or something. Oh. College doesn't have that extensive, so I can't just immediately go. So I'm just looking through his all-time game logs. Gabriel. and may, Yeah, Dylan yeah, okay. Gabriel. And maybe we can we can assert games that might be a little colder. Uh, October 26th at Temple, Philadelphia, late October. Maybe. Okay. He was 10 of 20 in that game. Was this when he was with Did UCF? have three touchdowns, no picks. Yeah, that was with UCF. Okay. Uh, let's see. At Tulsa, probably wasn't that cold. At Tulane, probably wasn't that I mean, Tulane plays indoors. Okay, so that's probably the only one that year. Uh, then you go to 2020. Let's see. At Houston, that probably been warm enough. At South Florida, that would have been warm enough. Okay, so we go to 2021. Let's see. Louisville, that would have been in September. Okay, let's go to last year. Who did he play when it was cold last year? At Iowa State at the end of October? October 29th at Iowa State? Could have been. It probably was. He was 15 of 26, 58%, 148 yards, one touchdown, no picks, 17 rushing yards. That's not a good game, right? <laughs> I, I was saying a really good defense last year, so that could be part of it too. Uh, sure. At West Virginia on November 12th, that was probably That's a cold game. Cool. Last year? Yeah, 17 of 28 for 190 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, negative one rushing yard. Yeah. Okay, that's not great. Uh, at Texas Tech probably wasn't that cold. And then uh, you go this year probably hasn't had any cold games, so like he hasn't played in a ton of them. But if, if those are the games, if it's if it's Temple, West Virginia, and Iowa State, I mean he's he's been at most he had what what did I say like two hundred something yards? Yeah, he had two hundred eighteen, two hundred eighteen or less in all three. And if I told you he's going to have even two forty in this game or less, you would feel great if you're yes. Kansas, right? Yes. So I'll be honest, as we're about to get to our game picks here. The more we've gone, the closer we're getting to game time, the yeah. closer it seems like the weather is going to be a thing, that it is going to be increment weather. I am starting to gain more confidence in Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think it's fair. I think it's fair, as you outlined. I mean, if this is a team that wants to utilize their passing game like Oklahoma does and they can't, then uh, that's that's even better for Kansas. And, you know, I kind of circle back to, I feel like early in the season we kind of anointed Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw as – the, one of the top running back tandems in the country, I kind of want to see him prove it. Yeah. And I think this is a game where you can prove that absolutely against Oklahoma. Now, it is one thing. We, we do know there have been some fumble issues. Not lately. Kansas done a good job lately. So yep. maybe it's something you, you you know put to the side for now. But that has been an issue in the past. If there is rain. I'm saying, we, I mean, we had serious discussions about Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw being like a top five running back duo mm -hmm. in the entire country. This is a game where Take I over. think you, Take over. you yeah. go out and prove it. You go out and prove it. And OU's had a good run defense. They're only giving up 3.4 yards per carry. But you're right. Go out and prove it. Uh, okay, so that that notion. The game picks right now on DraftKings. Use code KLWN. Kansas is getting 9.5 points. The over-under is 66. Mm. And by the way, on game picks, we are, well, you're doing okay. I'm doing horrible. <laughs> I am, KU uh, game picks? I'm 4-10 and 10 on KU game picks. <laughs> you are 6-8. and eight. Okay, 6-8 and is respectable. Mm. All right. Uh, I'll start. Can I start with the over-under? Yeah. Okay. Over-under, I am going to go under. Under 66. As kind of we've just outlined in our discussion with the weather, uh, because we are excellent meteorologists, we've broken it down very clearly, the weather's going to factor in. So I don't think either team is going to score uh, as much as maybe they're used to scoring. 
Uh, and I think, you know, there are some questions about Oklahoma's defense in the, from the sense of how good are they going to be against Kansas, right? They've obviously been vastly improved against every other team they played so far this season. But, you know, the style of offense that Kansas runs, they've had a whole bye week. I would think Andy Kolnicki has has schemed up some stuff. Right. And, and I will they, say, I, I did mention the stat earlier this week that they've only given up more than 20 to two teams, and they only gave up 30 to Texas, which sounds like a good number. Texas did have one drive stop at the one-inch line and one uh, red zone turnover, so it easily could have given up 44 in that game. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to go under here uh, for the total. And for KU Oklahoma on the uh, plus nine and a half, give me Kansas. Give me Kansas right. all day. I think – even I think. I I mean we'll get I guess we'll get to our game picks but who's gonna win the game? Mm-hmm. I I don't think I don't see a scenario where Kansas just gets blown out. I I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, so I'm expecting KU to keep this pretty close most of the game. Kansas plus nine and a half blood bank, take it there, and thank me later. Uh, like I said, if if you would like before the weather stuff, I st- I started to put it more into focus. I was gonna pick Oklahoma. I was prepared to come in today to pick Oklahoma forty five to twenty four. So an easy cover. If you tell me that the over-under is going to be over, I would take Oklahoma. But, partially because of the weather, partially because you're coming off the bye week, I think this is an under. I agree with you there. And I think Kansas keeps it close. I've talked myself into Kansas covering the 9.5. I've not talked myself into Kansas winning the game, but I've talked myself into them covering the 9.5. So, I guess if I'm giving like an actual score prediction, I'll go like Oklahoma... 34, maybe 31. Okay. Kansas somewhere between like 24, 27. I was my uh, I guess should we just make our Sure. 31-24. I'll okay. go with that. 31-24 Oklahoma. That's your pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I okay. <clears throat> the more I've thought about this, I touched on this earlier as well. The biggest difference between Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels is Jalen Daniels has proven that he has that X factor. He has that next level that he can get to in a in a clutch moment. I, I as and listen, you want me to bigger Jason Bean fan than me, but he has not shown that he has that late in games. He, Jason Bean has not demonstrated that he has that ability of Kansas gets the ball in the fourth quarter and they have to score. Can he go down and lead them to do it? That is my concern, and that is why I'm probably going to lean Oklahoma. I, I hope Kansas wins, obviously, and I'll be you know I'll be uh, I'll be there cheering on Kansas and hopefully seeing if Kansas can pull it off, but. I'm gonna go Oklahoma. I'm gonna go Oklahoma 34-28. That's that's my final prediction. I do think it's gonna be a very close game. Uh, I expect Kansas to be in it for the full 60 minutes. But uh, but again, you know, Jason Bean at his best is as good as Jalen Daniels in this offense. He has some more valleys, but if he can avoid those, but then again, my biggest question that I circle back to is Jason Bean. Uh, we haven't really seen mm. him demonstrate that he has that X factor, that he has that next level he can get to in a clutch moment. Whereas Jalen Daniels has shown that, and that maybe is the biggest separator in a game like this against Oklahoma, uh, that where you might miss Jalen Daniels a bit more because I I don't know I don't know it, late like I said fourth quarter KU's down four can Jason Bean go down and, and get a touchdown I, I'm not sure I mean I want to I want to believe that he can because I, I I think Jason Bean is a phenomenal player and I think he's it, KU is so grateful to have him and they should be very grateful to have him on the team but I don't know he hasn't he hasn't shown that so that's my concern. That's where I'm going to go with Oklahoma, but uh, obviously, if Kansas wins, I will be at Potter Lake. You can, uh, you can assure that. <laughs> All right, as far as prop bets, by the way, we talked about the Jason Bean one. It was like 209 yesterday. It's already up to 215, so maybe we moved the line. Um, Dylan Gabriel's is 295.5. If we're going to play into the weather thing, I take, think you take the under on uh, 295.5. 
Devin Neal, seven, eight and a half. Yeah, rushing yards. Okay. If Kansas is going to compete, probably has to go over there. You would think, yeah. Um, let's see. Lawrence Arnold, 44 and a half. He played really well against OU last year, maybe. Mason Fairchild, 37 and a half. Absolutely love that one. They got Trevor Wilson on there? Taking the over. Uh, just for touchdowns. Ah. So for touchdown scores. They're afraid. <laughs> Folks, they're afraid. Uh, Devin Neal is minus 155. By the way, you can get Devin Neal first touchdown at plus 1,000. To your question on uh, Trevor Wilson, though, he is plus 255, plus 2,500 for first touchdown. So mm. you can get those at DraftKings. All right, we're going to take a timeout with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.